we've struggled a little bit at the end of the season in the front row and our depth chart was just getting a little bit thin. Now it's got an awful lot thinner. Ironically, might have a weaker sub bench on the front row than a Leinster would have. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Yeah, hello. If you're a lover of hurling, uh, you're in your element tonight. Uh, we've Tommy Walsh on the show dissecting semi-finals. What a weekend we had in Croker. We also have James O'Connor uh, on the line. I think he'll be in slightly contrasting form after what happened over the weekend. So stay tuned for the two lads. We will have Dan McDonald as well discussing another kind of a blow to Stephen Kenny in terms of the Eustace departure to Birmingham. A couple of uh, high-profile transfers in the League of Ireland uh, as well as Shamrock Overs are in European action tomorrow on Monday Night Rugby we'll talk about Ireland's Kiwi problems uh, with Matt Williams and Fiona Hayes I want to talk about the HIA situation as well uh, the elephant in the room in rugby um, and what has happened over the last few days so plenty to discuss there but first of all we have uh, the news round Joe Malloy um, for whom I believe I'm standing in tonight is on something of a jolly I think in Adair how are you Joe? Uh, Very good Johnny Uh, yes total jolly is the truth That's, that's very honest of you we have Richie McCormick on the news round how are you Richie? Sorry, John Mert. You well? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, I want to start with you, Joe. Talk to me about the atmosphere below in uh, Adair, uh, the J.P. McManus event. A lot of money raised for charity uh, and so on and so forth. A lot of celebrities, including yourself in tow. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's extraordinary. It's my first time being down here at this. Nathan, uh, who's obviously down here, was uh, at the last one. And, I mean, it is... incredible like the field for starters and people even with a passing interest in golf will know that of the world's top 10 golfers nine of them are here and then you have uh, well the star attraction that is tiger woods who missed the u.s open but he's here for jp mcmanus which is kind of an extraordinary uh, thought so uh, it's uh, it's been an amazing day to be honest with you johnny i just uh, i went straight for woods you know i think in the world of golf he is the sun everybody's orbiting him and it was genuinely, uh, uh, you know, if you love your golf and you have an appreciation for what Tiger Woods has done, it was a, a remarkable experience, really. Um, by dint of uh, media pass, I guess, I could walk inside the ropes every step of the way with Woods, who, by the way, is in a cart. He's not walking the course, which was uh, quite striking. But honestly, he was in, um, like, form... I've never seen him being with fans, interacting with them uh, across the 18 holes and cracking jokes. And, you know, I first joined him on the fourth tee, which is a par three. And uh, all day long, I'd, I'd been waiting for him. And, and this will give you a sense of, like, the quality of field here. So ahead of Woods, you watched Bryson DeChambeau, then Shane Larry came, then uh, Colin Morikawa came then John Ram came then Jordan Spieth came Justin Thomas then came and then Tiger Woods came that was literally uh, the, the, the thoroughfare and it was funny All the majority of those previous players were going long over that green the wind was behind them and so it's amazing Woods gets to the tee and everyone like is, is standing up a bit straighter and a bit more nervous you know like this guy is a is a different level of um, star quality and I, like he was putting the whole tee box at ease and he was he was asking you know what time does it get dark here and i got to plan my fishing for tomorrow and he was he was cracking some jokes and and i guess it's quite a golf savvy audience i think um even golfers would say they come to this part of the world and people know their golf so woods was kind of looking and sensing the wind and he had a seven and an eight iron in his hand 
And he, so he asked everyone, is it a seven or an eight? And like in unison, the tee box went, it's an eight. And somebody said, Jordan went along with a seven. And he said, I'll go with an eight. So, and he down the middle of the green and you kind of thought as that was a pretty cool moment so uh, but I, I'm I'm amazed as a final kind of point I'm amazed how relaxed it all is like they're all having a good time um, interacting with the crowd the players are stopping and talking to each other you know there was a point where Woods shouted to Spieth you know what did you hit into that green later on in the round and uh, Spieth was like I hit a six but it didn't come off the face you know as in I had a terrible shot and they're kind of laughing away and uh, in, a, in a way like it's tough for the amateurs who are playing with Woods because it's just like this circus around and I think they're, they're struggling a little bit at times with the crowd is, which is only natural but um, yeah everywhere you look everywhere you look there are star golfers I mean I, I randomly when I arrived I said well I'll go to the first tee and we'll see who's here and there's Tyrrell Hatton and his group is Kenny Dogleash, Alan Hansen and John Terry so it's that kind of a uh, that kind of a gig so um, amazing really I think people really enjoy it Is it an Irish thing that they're at ease or are we kind of is it is this down to the the benign kind of manner of J.P. McManus or why is Tiger Woods like breaking from the norm and just being in such good form with everyone I suppose You were asking the million dollar question I suppose I mean uh, the Woods McManus friendship which I, I suppose is, is generally how it's described goes back over 20 years at this stage as to why all these other top golfers are parachuting in and, and, and really embracing the whole occasion, like it's, it's, it's not just arriving, it's arriving and embracing the whole occasion. I don't know, uh, is the honest answer. Um, maybe a touch of, you know, seeing Ireland, like I know a bunch of them were playing the likes of La Hinch and Tralee yesterday in these fabled courses and enjoying the Irish experience. And I guess they do get, you know, like there's a lot of interaction from the crowd and a lot of, you know, rye lines from people and, and, and you know that kind of stuff and, and I, I think we can probably congratulate ourselves a touch too much on, on our Cade Media Folger and how witty we are but certainly there is a really nice atmosphere out there and, and stuff being said to the players and like a bunch of the Limerick curlers are out here following players around uh, I, I, I don't know though like there there is a certain quality to the whole experience they're all incredibly relaxed and seem to be really enjoying it and uh, I've wondered myself why because I would suspect they encounter billionaires who want them to come and play at their pro-am uh, routinely and uh, whatever JP McManus whatever the magic dust is uh, it works you know Richie we're, we're a great bunch of lads a great <laughs> bunch of lads a great bu- I'm just like that. This, we've gotten we're what eight minutes into the show no mention of Bill Murray yet at all no well. I, I was going to have a dig at him if Galway beat Limerick yesterday and that was kind of came into my head with him as Galway like, take that Bill Murray something along those lines just didn't quite transpire your boys took a hell of a beating and all that and then it just didn't come to pass unfortunately for you Johnny well can, can I put it just Dion Fanning would be quite well known in the media he did a little tweet the JP McManus Pro-Am is such a success that they should play it across Ireland for 183 days every year discuss Joe Malloy uh, this being a reference to the fact that he likes to live abroad for much of the much of his year uh, well I don't know much about his situation if I'm being honest so what is it exactly and we'll discuss it then JP's like he likes to spend much of his time out of the country for obvious reasons and then he comes back and he runs a charity gig so it's like should we you know it's it's like JP could obviously be be living here so on for more of the year I know well yeah I mean I definitely that opinion's out there I guess that's his prerogative I mean um, I, I, I don't know what the rationale is or the business rationale is or 
like I don't know much about his affairs if I'm being honest you blindsided me a touch I can go off and look into it in more depth what's your you, you get the discussion rolling and I'll I'm more, <laughs> taxes I, I, are not my area of expertise I suppose. There, there is a lot of love from Richie and like I, I, I don't know whatever it is JB it's the same in racing as well there's like because he, do, he, he does kind of look after so many different trainers and I think like people and you see the Limerick Curlers as well the role he's had there's an awful lot of love for JP like I'm staggered by the amount of people that visit this event uh, yeah well they want to see famous people Irish people want to see famous people and they want to see famous people preferably up close and I think that's what this offers them and as Joe mentioned there like the crowd is a fairly knowledgeable golf crowd so they're always going to come in droves if there's a chance that they can get within a hair's breadth of the likes of Colin Morikawa or the likes of uh, Justin Johnson or Shane Lowry or whatever like because like there's such a unique element to all of this because of the live golf stuff um, so you can throw that into the mix as well if you want to throw reasons as to why people should or shouldn't be turning up to look at these people. But like, in essence, in the, I mean this in the nicest possible way, like it's a freak show down there because whenever are you going to see that mix of famous sports people and famous people from other realms? Uh, like that close and doing something like all collectively playing golf and that's that's what's attracted people there and you could go on long rants about uh, tax issues or otherwise or people's proclivities towards Saudi money or otherwise but you're not going to stop people from going to something like this unfortunately and are they good with their time then Joe like will they give you interviews or is it all kind of relaxed or are you there sort of in the media guys or do you just kind of want to hang around with people that you wouldn't see every other day of the week um, they're, they're pretty relaxed but I'd say they're not in the mood for anything too in depth mm. um, as as for the JP aspect and I, I you know I understand the one of 83 days point entirely for sure I, I just as an observation I would say he, when he was out briefly watching Tiger for a couple of holes he was getting an incredibly warm welcome mm. from locals I guess but you know then uh, look I, I that's a conversation you'd need to go away and think about and look into his affairs in a, in a, in a deeper way than I have, if I'm being totally honest. Um, as for the uh, the attitude to the media, I, I think the uh, the live golf situation has uh, tempered that, tapered that slightly. So I, 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 as I understand it, and I haven't had a chance to um, see it yet, but I'm told reliably by several different people, actually, that Graham McDowell apparently was quite emotional in a conversation with Stephen Watson of the BBC earlier um, to, to the effect that he's been quite taken aback by the the vitriol that's come his way on the back of the live golf move and apparently he got very very emotional so uh, that's interesting but I, I it was um, striking that any of the players who were down to do a press conference today uh, were not live golf golfers so I, I think you know there's a there's probably a sense of caution on their part and then as for the I guess the celebrity uh, zoo, as Richie uh, mentioned, I think it's like, take your chances, go stick a mic in front of someone and, and see what you get. Like I, I was talking to Own Chi in there and he said he got a couple of minutes with Alan Hansen, who's like done no media since he retired wow. from wow. match of the day. Yeah. Uh, so several minutes with Hansen is good going. Um, Henry McKean was telling me in his uh, 20 plus years with News Talk, he got the shortest... But how many of you are down there? <laughs> I think I, everywhere you go, you, you meet people. You how many is too many? You know. There's like more News Talk staff than there is celebrities at this stage. I know, I know, I know. Uh, Henry got the shortest interview of his career, apparently, uh, which was six seconds long. Uh, which was played out on the on the station today with Tiger Woods, who said, "I'm here to have fun." So, I mean, 
there you go. It's it's that kind of a, you know, I, I quipped with you, Richie, last week. There's, there's a degree of like, are you enjoying your time in Ireland? That's that's kind of a, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that kind of a, a treatment, I think, really. I just saw your tweet the other day, Joe, the Paul Casey tweet. Like, is golf still completely reeling from this whole live golf yeah. thing? Yeah, reeling, 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 reeling. Yeah, it's still, it's still, it's all anyone's talking about, you know, because with each passing week, there are people... Um, jumping ship and it, like it's an existential threat to the European tour the DP World Tour and it's a it's a serious threat as well to the PGA Tour so it's absolutely still a talk of the town and um, it's hard to know what relations are you know with golfers who stayed and golfers have gone like for instance it kind of noteworthy the last time Rory McIlroy spoke to the media and he was due to speak today and didn't I'd say he's sick of answering live golf questions that's the reason it'd be my guess but I mean the last time he spoke he called Brooks Kepka. Uh, duplicitous and that you know so they're both here and uh, you know so if this event was on maybe a year ago it's a uh, more collegiate atmosphere so i i, I would think uh, johnny it is still topic of conversation number one and i would think it's I, I if a golfer can go 10 paces without somebody asking them what have you heard who's going next etc i'd be amazed yeah, football uh, on, uh, sorry, the news round's brought to you uh, with Gillette Labs for an, an effective finish to your day. And it is uh, time for the news round now. Um, hopefully, Richard, we'll have uh, news of Newcastle United transfers or something like that, because um, obviously sports washing is not restricted to golf. No, no, it's not. Uh, Nick Kyrgios, though, is through to the Wimbledon quarterfinals for the first time since 2014. He battled through a shoulder problem and came from a set down to beat Brandon Nakashima in five sets today. Kyrgios will play the unseeded Christian Garin in the last eight. The Chilean was two sets to love in arrears to Alex Deminor and survived two match points before eventually beating the 19th seed in a fifth set tiebreak. Kyrgios regularly had the trainer on court today and afterwards he explained his issue with his shoulder. I woke up after uh, Titi Bass and had some shoulder pain um, and you know I've, I've played so much tennis in the last month and a half so I almost knew that it was time for my body to start feeling some niggles but I think that's normal at this time in the event I don't think anyone is feeling a hundred percent you know obviously Rafa you know you see him dealing with something niggling all the time um, I just don't think there's anyone feeling 100% so there's something I'll just manage and mentally I feel like I just deal with these things a lot better now um, you know obviously early in my career I don't think I would be able to kind of you know I knew today that I wasn't feeling 100% but mentally I stayed quite calm you know with that knowing that I wasn't able to serve full out for the whole five sets you know obviously I had to take painkillers um, but I just you know, as I said, I wasn't returning well for for a period of time, and then I just stuck to my guns in the fifth set, and then started. You know, I felt like the, the level in the fifth set for me was 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 raised, where his level kind of went away a little bit. Yeah, there's uh, Nick Kyrgios, who was serving by 137 kilometers an hour by the time uh, the match was in the fifth set. Taylor Fritz beat Jason Kubler in straight sets and will face the winner of this evening's clash of Rafa Nadal and the 21st seed Bodic van der Zanschlup. Playing the first set in that match and van der Zanschlup is serving to stay in the set. It has gone with serve thus far. Uh, Simona Halep needed just 59 minutes to reach the quarterfinals. The 2019 champion blew fourth seed Paolo Bedosa away, winning 6-1, 6-2 and Halep plays Amanda Anasimova next. The American ended the dream run of Harmony Tan in straight sets this evening. On the same side of that draw, Isla Tomjanovic will play Elena Ribankina after respective wins today over Alize Corne and Petra Martic. Yeah, what was this about uh, Ostapenko booed off the court after exit? I don't know if you've been following Wimbledon much, but uh, claimed that the opponent was lucky after her fourth round defeat and booed off the court. Have you been following much of Wimbledon, Richie? 
Uh, watch like literally watching loads of it. I have a uh, uh, it open here in front of me, watching Van der Zandschlup and Nadal as we speak, Johnny. Um, but yeah, I was more taken with City Pass and Kyrgios on Saturday because that was an absolute war and something that I guess tournaments cry out for. As much as there might be tut tutting uh, from the commentary box and from other corners about the behaviour of, of certain players, uh, Kyrgios being the particular one who comes in for a lot of that. But that was just fantastic entertainment and uh, exactly what you're what you're looking for really and to see like I'm no fan of Kyrgios' behaviour because it involves a lot of picking on line judges and umpires who can't really talk back to him Um, when he's picking on his fellow players that's kind of more entertaining and it showed (laughs) that the fourth seed Tsitsipas really couldn't handle it like he was firing balls literally back at him uh, with the aim of, of hitting him he was knocking balls since he passed into the crowd as well and avoided uh, being defaulted and being kicked out of the tournament by a you know a whisker um, so that was just remarkable and then to see Kyrgios today in really subdued form he's gone in that, this kind of up and down motion throughout the tournament first round mental second round not third round against uh, City Pass mad fourth round really calm so his quarter final against Green uh, should be uh, pretty fiery if um, the reputation of the t- this tournament has come to pass so far fan of Wimbledon Joe yeah big time big time I uh, it's 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 passing me by a touch this year and I need to rectify that very quickly I'm just struggling to get the time to watch it but um yeah, it's amazing. And uh, even I, I stumbled across it the other night and Jack Draper, who's the next big hope in British tennis, was on 20-year-old and <coughs> I could not get over how hard he hits the ball. It was absolutely uh, extraordinary. And, and it, he, blew, he blew up in the end um, and uh, lost his match. But uh, like he was a name which really caught my eye. But uh, the Kyrgios sideshow has kind of dominated uh, the bits I've seen. But uh, yeah, I need, to, I need to clear the schedule and just watch. <laughs> well, you're a busy man. Gone. But well yeah the joy of Wimbledon is like I've nothing to do for the afternoon I'm just going to stick it on and I find a little bit with snooker as well I don't know if people find it increasingly that we're, we're so kind of on the treadmill and totally and like phone 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 and actually you need to like throw the phone to the other uh, side of the room and like take some time to submerge a little bit down into it and then it's only 15 minutes and you really start to enjoy it I find because I'm a little get Nancy for the first kind of 10-15 minutes so I need to clear an afternoon and, and, and deep dive on Wimbledon very soon yeah the the Tour de France is a bit like that I just like like having it on in the background and it's just so long then that yeah. you can kind of just go, wash over you. go on with you the funny yeah. the, the funny thing though like I was watching um I was watching the finish yesterday, an amazing sprint finish, and it's effectively a head-on. So, like, you're watching a finish, you really have no idea who won. If they, if they did that in racing, you'd be like, this is a joke. Like, you can't watch a horse race head-on because you don't know what's in front. So I'm thinking, Richie, like, have they not tried drones, or am I missing something here? You watch the finish of a tour race after six hours, and you've no idea what happened. It's nice to know your list of gripes moves straight from uh, tax issues, Saudi Gulf, and then uh, what the production values of the Tour de France. Um, it's a nice list, Johnny. I'm not going to look. I would like um, to. I would like I, to apologise for through either view on uh, any sort of tax affairs or anything like that. What else you got, Richie? Uh, it's been reported that a Premier League footballer has been arrested on suspicion of rape. The Telegraph say an international footballer in his late 20s was taken into custody in North London this morning. The player can't be named for obvious legal reasons, but it's believed he will be present or was due to be present at the World Cup later this year. The aforementioned transfer news, Johnny Shamrock Rovers manager Stephen Bradley has confirmed that Danny Mandroyu has played his final game for the club. The Republic of Ireland under-21 midfielder is joining English League 1 outfit Lincoln City. Rovers are expected to pocket just 30,000 
euro from the deal. Meanwhile, the Hoops will be without Jack Byrne and Graham Burke for tomorrow's first leg of their Champions League qualifier with the Maltese Kingpins Hibernians. Uh, lots of Irish transfer news around as well. Robbie Brady has signed for Preston. The former Republic of Ireland winger had a successful trial last week at Deepdale after his short-term deal at Bournemouth came to an end. He signed a one-year contract with Preston. And St. Pat's confirming this evening that Dara Burns has joined MK Dons for an undisclosed fee. The 19-year-old winger scored four times in 22 appearances this season, adding another three assists for the Saints. Burns has signed a long-term contract at Stadium MK. Yeah, the the Danny Mandroy one is interesting because reports are to be believed. It seemed like there was a German club interested, but they thought, well, his money is so low uh, as a, as a get out clause. Maybe it's just all a bit too good to be true. Yeah, it's, um, I think it was, it was your, your your League of Ireland podcast colleague uh, was was. Uh, reporting that one earlier on it's it's like it's it's very unfortunate I think Stephen Bradley mentioned it in his press conference today before that Hibernians tie that they've actually been really canny in the transfer market for the past few years and this is the first time that they well in a, in a while really that they've had a real slip in terms of money that they can gain from a transfer and to have Mandroyu in the last year of his contract and for him to have a 30,000 euro buyout clause seems like a slip on their part more than anything else and they will be kicking themselves if he goes on to be uh, a success over in England or even if not then they can reinvest that money and buy them back in uh, 18 months time but yeah it's it's not not great for the league not great for Rovers in terms of the money they'll get but a, a hell of an opportunity for Mandroyo and, and somewhere where he'll definitely have to apply himself in a way I'd suggest he probably hasn't done so far uh, Before our Ronaldo story I will refer back Joe Malloy to when he signed for Man United and I think it was this very show you were basically like this will not work out for A, B, C, D, E reasons so I guess this doesn't surprise you No I should say uh, just in the last few moments Nathan Murphy has walked in here and, Is he uh, beside you there? Departed. He's since departed but I mean like he's, he's swaggered in here actually he didn't walk, like he kind of kicked the door open and walked <laughs> and I was like there's something up here and he just held up his phone and uh, there's a picture of Nathan interviewing Jordan Spieth just moments ago. This is sort of like, Johnny, if you, you know, uh, interviewed Maradona. That's kind of what we're, the, the levels we're talking about here. So uh, he's, he's thrilled with himself. Um, yeah, Ronaldo. <laughs> Ronaldo, Ronaldo. So uh, in, in a sense, like the Ronaldo thing I, really was the end for Solskjaer. But then uh, the dumber thing was getting Rangnick. It just makes it, it, it never made much sense, really, because mm-hmm. he was beginning to build. You know, Solskjaer was beginning to build a bit of something, and it totally disrupted everything uh, on off the pitch aspect. And then when Rangnick came in, it just showed that the club has no idea what it's doing. I think this is uh, whether he's whether he's uh, forced it through and tried to help it along, or whether he's just got lucky. This is one of the great breaks of Eric Ten Hag's tenure. This is like monumental because he was dead man walking with this situation otherwise yeah what's the latest on him Richie uh, he apparently wants to go Cristiano Ronaldo has spent the afternoon at the Portugal national team's training facilities in Lisbon the 37 year old was given permission to miss pre-season training at Manchester United for family reasons it's believed Ronaldo has told the club that he wants to move away this summer meanwhile United have reached an agreement in principle with Christian Eriksen over a potential free transfer the Danes spent the second half of last season on all of Brentford having returned from a life threatening heart issue what else we got I was Calvin Phillips, was, uh, he completed his sorry, 49 sorry, million Joe, euro move. Ahead, yeah. No, 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 sorry. I was just, I, the, the last I read is that Ten Hag said, oh, we want to keep him, which again, mm. I just think, don't, don't, Eric, this is a bad idea, Eric. So I don't know, like, are United saying we really want to keep you or is the, is the feeling they actually do want to keep you? 
I think they were. Well, the, the, the story was before. Now, the timeline on this seems to be that um, his agency were shipping or, you know, were basically putting the feelers out to the likes of Bayern Munich and Chelsea, people who could afford his wages, essentially, to see would there be any interest if he was to be available on the market. And then the story came from United that they wanted him to be front and centre of Ten Hag's plans and that they wanted him to be their front man going into next season. And then came in the last 24 hours or so the story that he's told them he wants to go and United don't want him to leave. The funny part of all this, like I know you're saying Rangnick was the ultimate you know, awful appointment from United. That story in The Athletic today that Rangnick had said in January, let's get rid of this guy now. We just let's mm. cut our losses, get rid of them. We need to move forward without them, regardless of what happens mm. and when the right day. And that looks like it would have been the most sane thing that United will have done since the departure of Alex Ferguson, and they didn't do it. And now they're in this situation where they have to put up this front, pretending they want him to stay, while you would imagine secretly they'd be quite happy to send him on his way off to, you know, somewhere else where you can, you know, disrupt the dressing room there. Any further updates from Nathan, Joe? Uh, no, I think he's just done a lap of his honor, a lap of honor of the media center. I, like he's going up just to people showing them his phone and you know saying, uh, "What do you think of that?" It's uh, what I think's happening. He really is a true journalist of the modern age. What else we got, Richie? I believe <laughs> yeah, there was a hurling game yesterday. There was indeed. Yeah, uh, what Limerick a game! Would play what a game. It was. Yeah, in an All Ireland hurling final for the first time in 15 years, the reigning All Ireland champion survived a spirited second half performance from Johnny Ward's county before moving clear in stoppage time, eventually winning 27 points to 121. Limerick manager John Kiley told our own Stephen Doyle afterwards that they were put to the pin of their collar by Henry Shefflin's men. I know their accuracy wasn't great in the first quarter, but I think for the last three quarters their accuracy was very good. And listen, they've got fantastic forwards as well who can shoot from anywhere in the field, you know. And they've they've shown that right throughout the, the campaign that their shots, you know, success has been exceptionally high, and they created a couple of goal scoring chances as well. So you know, I think they can be really happy with their performance. It was just. You know, I think our lads in the finish coming off the bench made a difference in the last 15 minutes. Absolutely. You could hear the crowds were boosted when the Key Lynch and Peter Casey came back on. They're coming back in just in the nick of time as well before the final. How do you assess their performance after, I know, just a short 15, 20 minutes? Listen, it's just great to get the two of them on the pitch number one, you know, and that game will stand to them. You know, you could still see that they just hadn't maybe as much work done as the others had done, obviously. You know, you know when you're out that into time, it's hard to come back and be at the same pitch as the other players. But I think, you know, all credit goes to Connor and to to David Reedy and uh, you know the, those lads coming on as well you know have been doing it for us all season so you know we, we have to remember that as well uh, that's pretty much our lot we have a minute for you Joe to tell us what's coming up tomorrow uh, in your lovely uh, golf utopia below in Adair uh, we won't be here actually um, we uh, believe it or not Golf Weekly is a little podcast that we've been doing for about 10 years now Johnny kind of on the side and it's uh it's kind of trundled along in its own little way and built up a kind of little cool and loyal following. So uh, Richie hears about it far too much. So cool. tomorrow we're at clean. <laughs> we're at uh, we're at Clean Castle, and we're having. Uh, well, we could have had double or triple the number actually, which is kind of amazing. So we're having a bunch of Golf Weekly listeners uh, come and play the course, and we do a podcast at Clean castle afterwards so uh we'll all be there actually myself and nathan from davenport peter laurie so we're we're going head to head with the uh adair manor jd manis pro-am we're taking them on i think that was a pretty unique news round uh, on many levels thank you guys <laughs> thanks johnny cheers johnny i look forward to your invite back